Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Okay, first question. In 2019, I made a big mistake of confiding in my sister when I found out my partner is an addict. He is now in recovery, seeing a CSAT, and attending several meetings a week. We are expecting our first child in the spring. When I told my sister about the baby, she was not happy. She is angry that I decided to stay with him. She is now threatening to tell my entire family that he is an addict. This will destroy my relationships with my parents and other siblings. I am devastated at the prospect of becoming a new mom and losing my family at the same time. She thinks that they deserve to know the truth about his past. I want her to understand that this will cause me and my baby a lot of pain and suffering. Please let me know how I can handle this situation. Oh, I'm, thank you for being here and sharing that is, I can tell, so incredibly painful. So Dr. Rob? And very, and not, not a question we get every day. No. So Tammy, um, I know that, I, I, I'm glad to answer it first, but I'd love to hear your feedback because I know I could see your emotion, like you got a little bit clumped when you heard that yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. So well, what struck you? A whole bunch of things. So first of all, when people call, I, you know, it's always like, please only tell those that, you know, can be trusted. And I, I know you thought your sister would be a safe person, but we hear all the time, the non-helpful judgmental, you should leave him. He's a bum. You know, they, they just don't understand what addiction is and that recovery is possible. So I'm wondering if there's an opportunity to help your sister understand, you know, from your point of view, um, um, so my, my thought is pro-dependence. Dr. Rob wrote a book about people who love people who are, you know, are struggling. But I also think just some basic information and education for her on what um, addiction is. And while it is a chronic disease, chronic problem, you know, for somebody who is in recovery and he's working a program, honestly, you know, the, you know those of us who are working our programs, um, we strive for things that, I want to say normal people don't have to, you know, we have to learn to live in integrity. We have to live in honesty. We, we have to examine our behaviors and things like that. You know, so we are intentional about working towards healthier and better relationships. So um, that that's kind of my two cents, but I hear you. And I thought, Oh, hormones of, you know, pregnancy and, you know, planning for a baby that should be an exciting time and to have this right. whole thing. And, you know, that, that, that is stress that you don't need. And, um, I would, you know, no, your, your family doesn't deserve to know. So, um, anyway, so your thoughts. Well, I, I agree. And I felt sad too. Um, I feel sad anyone, anytime that anyone confides in someone they deeply believe in, and that person probably because of their own stuff, not because of you, but because of her own stuff, but wants or does betray you. But, you know, Tammy, as you know, I'm much more direct than you <laughs> and the clients certainly know that at our treatment center. They're like, oh, here comes Ra. Like, what's he going to say? So, you know, the first, I wrote this down and the phrase I wrote down is, this is none of your business. You know, I would say to my sister, look, I confided in you because I trust you and I love you, but I told you something that has nothing to do with you. And how dare you consider it a good idea to tell other people when I have confided in you, it's none of your business. It's not your business who I marry. It's not your business if I have sex with hundred people myself. It's none of your business. Wish for my happiness wish for my joy, wish for your niece or nephew who's coming out to have a wonderful parents. 
but if you but the, but by taking on my issues as your own you number one push away any chance that i'm ever going to speak to you again about ever anything privately because i can never trust you again by the way this is probably a little bit of how you feel with your husband that he isn't trustworthy and you confided in him with your personal self and your life and he betrayed you and he took it all over the place. So on some level, I think you're dealing with double betrayal, mm. both from places you didn't expect, which would be the person who loves you and the person who's your family member. I will say that it sounds like your family is a little bit more troubled than you might think. And um, yeah, you know, I'm the kind of, I'm a little black and white. So I'd be, you know, I'm like, I'll never speak to you again if, I, I find that's not always useful. Tammy could probably agree with that, but I would let her know that this will profoundly, uh, profoundly affect our relationship. Forget about everyone else, because no offense, Tammy, but it's, like, it's kind of like saying, I think like, um, if you smoke cigarettes, you're going to get sick. You can't quite see it in front of you. So you, it's like off somewhere. But if she can say to her sister, you're hurting me and I'm pregnant. I don't need this kind of stress. Like, deal with your own feelings around this, but don't inflict them on me. It's my mom. I get to tell her what I want. It's, you know, so anyway, it goes like that. And I think maybe a timeout from your sister, if she's moving in this direction, I think it's best we not talk for a while. Um, and, you know, I go to, I don't really want you present for the christening. Like that's where I go because if she's going to ruin the family's feelings, let me put this a different way. Um, I met, I often have clients who say, should I tell, um, spouses should i tell my mom should i tell my sister should i tell or should I, you know and, and the answer is where you need to go wherever you need to go for comfort but big b but remember that you have to see these people at thanksgiving for the next 20 years you know you might go on a summer vacation and they will never forget and they will never get away from nor will it ever be different the same with them that your spouse has done this to you because of their own issues and they love you and all that no matter how much they love and forgive the other person. So I would think carefully, whoever you tell that you, that, that the way they may perceive that and what they may do with that may really harm a longer term relationship. And by the way, that is why Tammy and I recommend stop in the betrayal groups, stop in the free groups, stop in, we are lots of people you can talk to about this and we are there for you because we're not in your marriage and we're not in your family. This is by the way, folks, why you hire a therapist. Not only do we have lots of knowledge, hopefully we really know what we're doing, but I'm, I, I don't have any feelings about your wanting to break up with your wife. I, I don't have any feelings about what, I just here to give you information. And while you and your sister might get all caught up and well, I thought he was this and I, I don't, we're very neutral in that way. So I think, you know, again, I would be very direct with my sister. I would tell her what the cost to our relationship would be. I'd remind her that I'm pregnant. And I think your job with me is to be kind and loving. And this is neither. And then, you, you know what? She's going to do what she's going to do. Maybe there's one more thing. And I don't mean to go on and on. Tammy's like, oh, God, is he done with this question? No, no, no. This is, this is very useful information. So They may all find out. She may tell them all. And you have no control over that. You made a decision to tell her she may betray you. How are you going to deal with it? Do you think that they'll never speak to him again? Do you think they're going to turn away from your baby? I mean, these issues are very shameful for you, very embarrassing for you. And I'd imagine you really don't want your parents to look at you as having had this happen or this man having done it to you. But the bottom line is this did happen. They are your parents. You're, trust me, over time, him being a good father of that child and a good husband to you will far outweigh any information that they get. And if they hear it from someone else, it's secondhand. You can simply say to them, you know, I don't think she understands in the least what's going on with me, you know, 
But the bottom line is they you cannot control information once it's out the door. And so I would more think about how I can talk to my family about this in a loving way um, and help them keep boundaries. Like, I don't want to hear what I should do. I've already been to therapy. And hopefully it'll come out in a good way. And maybe your fears are not useful, but I would still be really pissed at my sister. <laughs> I would. Okay, next question. My essay husband and I are struggling with the pull me close, push me away behavior you talk often about. It sounds like intimacy and connection are uncomfortable for him and cause the push me away. And so does me being loving, supportive and vulnerable to him create the uncomfortableness that causes him to push me away. It feels like supportive is counterproductive. I, I think it's not supportive. I think can it goes you, to the you vulnerable mind side. Give me a second. I've turned something off. Will, will you answer that for start? And I'll be right back. I, I will try. So, so it um, it sounds like intimacy and connection are uncomfortable for him and cause the push me. Yes, yeah. It's intimacy disorder. Dr. Rob and I have talked about this, you know, personally that we think all forms of addiction experience intimacy disorder, not just I hate to say just just sex and porn addiction, etc. You know, addicts don't like connectiveness don't tolerate that well. And so, yes, what you perceive as supportive and helpful and you, you know, you know, it, it, it could go to a shame thing. I don't feel worthy. I mean, who knows what all of that is, but that's why working with a qualified professional, you know, to address those issues, you know, can be really helpful. And we just started the um, uh, healing from betrayal work group last Saturday. I heard great things already about it. We'll start another one in a couple of months, but we talk about communication and grieving losses together. And, you know, how, how do you navigate that path, you know, which is very complicated. And you didn't say how long you've been in this, um, right. in this recovery thing, it gets better if he's getting the support and help that he needs, um, you know, to get there. So thoughts. I would ask him, I mean, I think I would say, look, you know, I've had a couple of experiences where I feel I've tried to be supportive and it's turned out this way. And, you know, do you feel like I'm lecturing to you? Do you feel like, is there, you know, what comes up for you? Because when I support a friend, they act this way, but when I, maybe you don't think I'm trying to support you. I mean, I think you guys got to talk. I mean, what, whatever the issue is, here's a great place to start really talking about what's underneath. And he will tell you, you know, I'm so ashamed when you're nice to me, I feel like I don't deserve it. Or, you know, or I feel like you're lecturing, whatever it is for him. But who knows what it means for him? It may mean that he's incapable. It may simply mean, look, I, let me say this and to go on with what Tammy was saying. I, I don't think I'm a sex addict for sure. I don't think I'm incapable of having intimate loving relationships or being aware of other people need. I think that I wasn't trained how. And so I have to think carefully about how to interact. What am I going to say? How do I, in ways like Tammy said, that people just, healthy people don't even think about this stuff. So for us, and especially for your husband, he may, not, he may not even know that he's reacting in a negative way. He may not even know that. So it's a great opportunity for us to sit down and have this exchange, and it probably will lead to a whole bunch of other things. And the last question for him is, if this is really where you're at, how can I support you? If being nurturing and loving and you know cheering for your, is there something else? Because supporting someone is also connecting and being close to them. How else can I be close to you in this process? You know, if I can't help you with it, you know, again, it's just about you guys connecting. And I would start with that very question that you wrote me. Okay, next question. My counselor says I'm not responsible for other people's feelings. Do you agree? Example, if a husband cheated on his wife, is he not responsible for her feeling angry at him? Uh, okay. 
that's there's so many answers to that question I'm i know sure. that's okay. what, i was like this one feel this is a, uh, this is complicated um i am not responsible for other people's feelings they're going to feel however they feel i am responsible for my own actions absolutely 100 percent. if i care about someone so i'm trying to get the lighting right here if i care about someone and then i act in ways that are not particularly loving or supportive um sorry i'm, I'm I'm uh, okay. So if I love you and I do things to hurt you and then you get angry and sad, I'm not responsible for the fact that you got angry and sad. That was where you went with the information I gave you, but I am responsible for, gee, I think these are things that might make this person unhappy and sad. So how I cannot be responsible for how you receive the information, but I'm very responsible for how I give it. And so, you know, I, I don't think, well, Tammy, actually, why don't you jump in there? Because I have a feeling you have some stuff to say about this also. Well, I do, you know, I agree. We are not responsible for someone else's feelings. But I also know that I can do or say things in a way that is unkind and hurtful, and that I'm most likely to have a response of hurt and anger or whatever. So, um, you know, if I do something, in the 12-step program, we have the opportunity to make amends. I make amends for things that I, I, you know, I, that I know I did that were unkind, unpleasant, not really who I want to be. So, right. so I am responsible, like Dr. Rob said, I am responsible for that. Um, uh, I am, so can I, can I make, can I make anybody angry, hurt or whatever? You know, I, I, I don't think so. I can do things for sure that I am more likely to get that kind of reaction. But ultimately, somebody could choose to go, yeah, I'm not buying in. I'm not going to, you know, you know, you are going to do what you're going to do. And that's on you, you know. So so I think I think it's complicated and especially the way it's asked, you know, can they do things that will be hurtful? and and be betrayals all of that absolutely um uh, but you know at the end of the day understanding that an addict's an addict and until they get help you know we have to get support elsewhere that will help us deal with those unpleasant feelings so that makes sense and and i would add to that tammy you're absolutely right about support intentionality what is my intention in saying these things I can say a lot of things that seem really nice, but they're actually really mean. I can be really sarcastic. It sounds like I'm just, you know, eating butter here. But so what is my intention? That I am responsible. Am I intending to piss this person off? Am I intending to support them? Because if it doesn't work out, then I can go back and say, you know, my intention was um, you got angry, but I was just trying to get closer to you. So I I'm not responsible for your anger, but if my intention was to get closer to you, I need to be aware that the way I did that made you angry. And then I need to find a different way to communicate. I am responsible for once I know how something's going to make you feel or can anticipate it, like I've been cheating for 12 years, I am responsible for how, for making sure I don't say things that overwhelm you, like being aware of you and not just saying whatever and think you're going to be fine. Anyway. That's a complicated well, I, question. I want to I want to add one more thing because you know Dr. Rob talks often about you know in out of the doghouse he talks about in his partner's jobs to be angry and upset you know it's a betrayal so so to not be angry when you've been betrayed and you found out that you've been lied to and you've been cheated on and all that that's I mean you'd have to be comatose in order to not have those kind of responses so so. It, it, 
the ongoing betrayal is going to keep punching at the same wound. So um, get, join the betrayed partner groups, please, please, please. You know, we've got the old lady posse tomorrow morning, um, but there's another group uh, Wednesday afternoon and another Thursday morning. Those are great support places for betrayed partners. So. Next and the answer question. is yes. Oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, if I act out and I, and I just ruin your day, I am responsible for that. I'm not responsible for me, your day being ruined, but I'm responsible for doing things that were going to probably lead to it. Um, so it's kind of like saying, Tammy, I hate how you look today. And I'm just trying to be helpful. Yeah. How, how, I mean, am I being, you know, am I not responsible for your feelings? Cause I told you, and I'm, I'm, you look great. I'm not saying, but if I said to you, <laughs> you know, you're a terrible cook, you made an awful meal. What's my intention there? You know, I could also say, oh, I'm not big on these vegetables, but it's lovely. You know, there are many ways to say what you want to say. Boy, we really get stuck on this question. I think we have feelings about this question. <laughs> Let's go on because we've Let's got a move bunch. On. Okay. I'm 31 years old and single. This is a male. I've been in the rooms for nine years on and off, and I'm currently attending meetings regularly. I have a sponsor and I'm in group therapy. The first time I disclosed my behavior was around the age of 21 to church elders, and that led me to being excommunicated from my church. Oh, I'm so sorry. Since then, I have struggled with trusting others and telling the truth, whether to my sponsor, therapist, or support fellows. I intellectually understand that addiction and recovery process, but I'm finding that my body has a completely different response. Response. How do I work on getting past the physical trauma response I have when I need to tell the truth and accept support? I can't seem to get past 30 days of sobriety. I will sometime to go with, or I, I will go sometime with sobriety only to relapse and try to hide it from people by lying to them. How do I get traction in sobriety? I can see that I'm finishing this question. I tend to um, keep people at arm's length because it feels safe, but it's something I want to get away from. <sighs> That's a lot. Okay, so Tammy, that was about five questions. So I know if you want to. The first thing them. is, yeah, how do I work on getting past the physical trauma responses I have when I need to tell the truth and accept support? Um, every addict that I know is trouble being assertive. We can be aggressive, but actually telling people what we want and need and really asserting ourselves, it can be really difficult. So the question you ask is not just related to you. It's also, I'm trying to get back to the first question. Um, How no, do I work I, on I, getting past the physical right. trauma so all, response? All of us. So I want to put your religious piece aside because I'm thinking that the problems that we have, us sex addicts with intimacy and sex and porn, they precede being involved in a form of religion. Most of the issues we struggle with, I'm pretty sure happen before, that lead to this, I'm pretty sure happen before we're six or something like that. So um, I can imagine that when your religious community kicked you out, that that might reinitiate some feelings from your past that are deep and haunting. Um, but I also wanna acknowledge where you're from. I have worked with people in religious communities and it's very, I'm not gonna use the word religious abuse, but that's kind of where I want to go. I asked a friend who had left a very powerful religious community, and she said that she'd experienced religious abuse. How about that? And this is true. And I asked her what she meant. And she said, well, when I was in that community and I was the wife and the mom, whatever her role was supposed to be, and I had so many friends, I had so much support. People would bring me cakes and casseroles and you know anything we could do for the family. And let's all go out with a bunch of groups and church, church this and weekends that. It was like having a family of loving people just like that. But the minute they found out that I had done something that was not acceptable, that I was broken in this way, whatever it was, I was no longer, it was gone. 
And that was the abuse. It was that if I don't conform to this, I am out and I lose all that support and all that love. And because you don't just lose your belief system, you lose all the people connected to it. So I think that that is a traumatic experience because of the way it's done, really. Um, not just to you, but, it, you know, I've had people say, I can't talk to my brother anymore, you know, because I, I'm not allowed to kind of thing. So I, I don't under. I don't want to underestimate that kind of trauma, but I also think that what you're talking about is something that every one of us struggle with in terms of getting close to and being afraid of reactions. And so I would say that recovery, I hate to say that, but lots of 12-step meetings, being getting support from other men. Um, someone single was on the phone the other day, I'm like, how do I ever find my way into a relationship? I said, well, start building some with your peers. Um, and so, you know, that is a really good place to get started. Tammy, there are five other questions in there. Do you want to ask any of the others? So, so the, uh, the but the physical response to like I couldn't help but mm -hmm. think of trauma. working with a good trauma therapist, not just your therapist, but a good trauma therapist because they can do the body work, the somatic experience, the um, EMDR, something that will help you know get get through that um, physical reaction to that. Um, uh, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the um, webinar, you know, we've got the uh, Sex and Porn Addiction 101 work group, the psychotherapy uh, um, or psychoeducational component of, of treatment. That may be a really good place because I know um, you're going to get good education, but there's also up to 25 guys that are in that group and they exchange, um, you know, contact information and they can be peer support and they all understand that they're in the same spot too. It may just be another um, option for you. Um, and I can't get past 30 days. So that feels like addiction cycle. Do you want us to talk about any of that? Well, that and trauma, um, you know, someone who, someone has a physical reaction to the possibility of conflict or disagreement or, you know, having to be, you know, be upfront or whatever. Um, I, I think that that is a trauma issue and you're not just talking about being, having, struggling to tell your truth, or maybe you're a little shy. You're saying you have a physical response. And I agree with Tammy. I, you may not, fully understand where that comes from. But, and we're, by the way, Tammy and I make referrals all the time. So we don't get kickbacks from therapists. We just, after all these years, kind of know who's good and who isn't. So you can always drop me a note or Tammy at Seeking Integrity. We'll let you know wherever you are in the world who we think is a reasonably good person to work with. And that might really be helpful too. Anything else here in that question? I, I have to say, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we deal with, with the guys that come to our Seeking Integrity Treatment Program. So if you're willing to consider that, reach out. I'll be happy to give you more information about our amazing team um, uh, and treatment. So, okay, next question. Uh, one more, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Tammy, I want to say more. Um, we had some resources for trauma. I don't know if they're online sites. I don't know if Jamie Marriage site is still a trauma site she added. Yes, books, I'm going to throw this in. Um, the, so she did Super Saturday Recovery Summit. She did two of those, and there's some trauma mm -hmm. resources on there. And she did some podcasts with Dr. Rob on Sex, Love, and Addiction podcast. So, check so we have out. some pod. I have a number of podcasts with trauma therapists um, talking about the nature of trauma and developmental issues and how we end up as addicts. And the podcast is called Sex, Love, and Addiction. We have about 700,000 downloads. Tammy keeps telling me it goes up. So a lot of people listen. A lot of people found it helpful. And I think some of the questions you're asking about intimacy building, about trauma, about... Um, about drugs and sex. I mean, a lot of the things are, are discussed there with professionals from all over the world. So, and it's free. So yes. that might be a good place to go for lots of information and comfort. Okay, next question. My husband told me in November that he's sleeping with prostitutes. He's been uh, doing recovery work and I found out he's still acting out. Is this normal? When and how can we expect them to stop? 
Well, I don't know what normal is. I can tell you what healthy is for the clients that I'm working for. I don't like the word normal because it's different for everybody. Right. Um, November, you're talking about six weeks ago, Tammy, do you think? Like last Yes, November? I'm thinking, yes, yes. Okay. And he's um, doing recovery work, but it doesn't say how much, like if okay. he isn't pursuing his recovery with all, all in, then. So my expectation of a, when I was running an outpatient program, like to see someone an hour to a week kind of thing, my expectation was that by the end of the first session, we would decide what they're going to change. And if there was anything that they were unable to do to keep that commitment, that they would call me during the week and let me know. We didn't necessarily eliminate everything. Like someone might be masturbating a lot. We might've just gone and dealt with the prostitution or whatever it is first. But my expectation is, I mean, as at least at the level that I'm working at is within the first couple of weeks, you're going to stop. And then we will start to look at how to support your stopping. And, but the first thing is to stop. And so, and, and I have to say, if I was working with a married client and they were still seeing sex workers and then going home to a spouse, I would be really doing a lot of confronting. So I didn't, did, is this person in therapy or getting, are they in kind of treatment? Like, it are they getting any he's help? He's been doing recovery work. And I find okay. out, he, it was, so to me, that sounds like it might be going to a 12 step meeting. I might be doing So what I'd recommend life. is you write Tammy, T-A-M-I at Seeking Integrity um, week. So this person wrote back, yes, they're in therapy. Then my next question would be, does this therapist have training? in this work. I want to tell you guys a little story. I just got off a consultation with somebody and I do these, as Tammy said, online consultations to give people direction about what to do in their relationships. Or I've been doing this a long time. So in an hour or so, I can pretty much tell you this is what's going on and this is what you might want to do um, in order to get better. Uh, I see. Um, and so let me just say this. Um, I had this, what this gentleman told me is he said that he'd started, let's say sexual, I'm making it up so you don't hear his whole story. He said, I was started sexually acting out on my marriage um, at about 45 in the way that he, his wife was concerned about. Before that, it was porn and other things. And he said he went to three different therapists and said, I'm disturbed by this. I don't want to be this guy. I'm sleeping around. I'm this, I'm that. And three therapists in a row said, well, you're headed, you're 45 and this is kind of male menopause and right before you get in your early 50s, this is when, so in other words, basically what they said is, it's okay. This is when men, what men do at your age and don't worry about it. Most therapists don't have a clue what we're dealing with, what the issues are, how to treat it. And so even if you are seeing a therapist, if they're not specifically trained, I will also say that there are therapists I've worked with who I don't believe really view this uh, work or the issues in a way that I would find productive. Um, some folks in the field have their own um, emotional issues that get transferred onto the work. So for example, I've heard, heard some therapists say, boy, any man who sees a lot of prostitutes and does all this crazy behavior and has affairs is a, is a sex offender. He's a perpetrator. That's how we look at him. I don't think that's productive. I don't think that's true. And so, I would be careful when you choose somebody, uh, what is it, you know, how well known are they? How many books have they written? How many treatment centers have they opened? What kind of expert are they? I have to tell you, to be honest with you about half the people refer to, I trained at one point or another in my career. That's true, Tammy, I, mean, I trained them all. So, you know, I'm not saying that you have to work with someone who has 25 years experience, but certification and experience in this particular issue can either make your marriage work or send it spinning into divorce, make good decisions and I love therapy. I love therapists. If your grandmother just passed away and you're just so depressed and it's ruined your life and, and you loved her so much, go to therapy. And I'm sure any kind of therapist could be really helpful. But you have a behavioral addiction, food, gambling, sex, 
spending, it requires a whole different kind of treatment. We actually, I don't know if you guys know this, there are different forms of therapy. Uh, there are about six different forms of therapy in the Bigfoot world, and I could name them. Some are very Freudian and some are very loosey-goosey. They're all over the place. But there is a specific kind of therapy that we do with addicts, and it is particularly helpful and not much other kind of therapy. Well, here's the deal. The reason we do this kind of therapy, cognitive behavioral, it is the only form of therapy that actually is actually proven to work with people who have addictions. There is no evidence whatsoever in any of the literature, period, that, that psychodynamic, Jungian, uh, narrative, EMDR, I mean, those are great therapies for a whole bunch of things, but not for addiction. So I think that it's useful to make sure you're with the right person and that that person endorses uh, an even-handed view of people with these kinds of problems rather than demonizing them, because I've heard that and I don't think that's productive. And I'll tell you what I have, a, a time do you mind? One no, of the other things it. I've heard about what I would call bad therapy out there is therapists who join with the spouses and they just, like I said, they demonize the addict. Well, you're this and you're that. And you know, it, they make us feel very hopeless. They make us feel like we'll never get better. We, they make us feel very ashamed. And oftentimes they make us feel like we're no different than a child sex offender. And that's just not true. So I would be careful of therapists with extreme views. It's the partners deserve to run a knife through his chest or at the other end, the addict shouldn't let their, their partner shouldn't be upset about it. I mean, anything that seems extreme is probably not useful because what you need to do is both work toward the middle and healing. So um, I'm not sure if I answered that question. I, I put out a lot of different thoughts about that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.